0: What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, October 26, 2020. This week's episode, Anderson Silva spins his final web. We'll be going back to Fight Island one last time to talk about everything UFC 254, the triumph of Habib Nurmagomedov, his GOAT status, and retirement. We'll talk about what's the latest in MMA. Hamza Shemaev finally has an opponent, and it is a dangerous one. The PFL returning. And then we'll close it out. We'll preview this week's action in MMA, the middleweight title fight between Gegard Mousasi and Douglas Lima, and, of course, back to the UFC in Vegas for the final fight of the legendary career of Anderson Silva as he takes on Uriah Hall. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio, and we're, Hello, ba- we're both back oh, in the States. Yes, <laughs> Double G, sorry I cut you off there. You're good. I'm just so excited
1: to talk to you because you're back. You're back. You're back on, uh, on U.S. territory, and um, you know your body is adjusting to all the radical changes you've gone through, and, uh, but the main question is, how does it feel to have come back?
0: From Abu Dhabi. Oh, well, here's... Okay, so um, to give you a quick recap, because I could talk to you about another hour about what I've been through. Uh, The shuttle from the hotel in Abu Dhabi to the airport left at 5 p.m. local time uh, probably about a day and a half ago. So you talk about, okay, my flight didn't... The trip started then. My flight didn't leave until 10 p.m. local time Abu Dhabi. Flight took 16 hours, full flight, UFC, everybody, all the Americans on staff, which means all the fighters, broadcasters, Megan O'Leary, Daniel Cormier, uh, John Annick, they were all on the flight. All the cornermen, a ton of production, other media, all of them were on the flight. Packed flight, not a lot of space to stretch, so imagine that. Big flight took about another hour and a half ish to get the luggage, drive to the place I'm staying. I finally got back, quote-unquote, home 6 a.m. Vegas time. So I'm not good at math, but do your Abu Dhabi to Vegas conversion on time. Add it all up. I probably was up over 24 hours, and I hit the proverbial wall probably about 11 a.m., where now I feel like I've been in a minor car accident.
1: Yeah, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's Amazingly- been a road
0: terrible (laughs) but I got a short nap in to talk to you about the main event so we'll talk all about the bubble but yes if you guys want to know what I've been through that that's what I've been through anyway in the last like 12 hours it feels like so uh Natalie let's get into it I'm gonna toss it to you first UFC 254 Habib Nurmagomedov defends his title against Justin Gaethje I don't want to talk about retirement. I don't want to talk about GOAT. I want to talk about the fight itself before we get into that other good stuff. Um, Talk to me about this fight. I picked Justin Gaethje,
1: as you might recall. Um, You did not. I was so convinced, so sure of my choice that like hours before this fight started, so it was like early morning for us here at Pacific Time, I was telling my husband like, how can we how can we bet on Justin Gatlin like let's put $50 let's put $500 on Justin Gatlin not that I would really do $500 but I was so convinced and I was like you must know somebody let's go let's do it thank god that he didn't <laughs> do that <laughs> i told him i was like you know i would never i would never ask for a crazy i would never even you know suggest betting a crazy amount of money if i wasn't 100% sure Justin Gaethje's gonna destroy this guy. Okay, and then I see Justin Gaethje in the cage. So I missed the walkout because we had plans afterwards. So I was getting stuff ready. Um, and I saw his face, and I thought, oh, he looks a little concerned. I didn't expect that look. Okay. So when the fight starts, Justin Gaethje just doesn't stop moving. He's 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 running around, uh, or you know dancing back and forth, back and forth, trying to stay away, keep distance from Khabib so hard that I could see him taking large breaths before the round even ended. You know, when he's in the corner with Trevor Whitman, he tells him, slow down, you know, breathe, you know, to calm down. And what was successful for Justin Gaethje were the leg kicks, right? Um, seemed like they were starting to make an impact. But before that could even really get going, Khabib, like a snake, man, he's viper fast, took advantage of an opportunity where Justin Gaethje momentarily found himself on all fours. Khabib pounced, on, jumped on his back, and then ended up on on, Gaethje, on top of Gaethje. And, um, no, did he? I can't remember now.
0: Yes, he did. Anyway, he
1: finished him with a triangle. Triangle choke. Uh, Gachee was tapping and tapping and tapping. Nobody saw it, and finally, poor, poor Justin Gachee passed out before the ref called uh, called Khabib off. Second round, it was over. Um, I was stunned, but also like, there's nothing you can say. Hats off to Khabib. It's like when you know, whether you're, you know, if you're not a fan of Floyd Mayweather, you can't help but acknowledge, like, hey man, no one could touch him. No one could do anything to him. Whatever, whether you liked his style of fighting or not. So I say the same for Khabib. Whether you like it or not, I mean, untouchable, untouchable. I thought Justin Gaethje was going to be the one, but alas, not to be. How did you, uh, how did you take it from from your up close perspective over there in Abu Dhabi?
0: Well, yes, I, I'll say this right now. Um, being there live, hardly any fans. It was weird. If you remember how I described Smash Global, it was like that. It was like Hunger Games. Everyone is dressed very well, some in traditional attire for the Middle East, others in your traditional, you know, dress and gown and, you know, shirts and all that. But uh, overall, it was quite the weird experience to see this level of fight without fans, I'll say that. Um, For me live, the fight looked a lot closer than it did when I watched the replay back on uh, television. Um, I thought that Justin was actually a little bit ahead in the first round um watching it live without commentary on tv it was a lot more obvious what you were seeing from habib the forward pressure um it wasn't uh you know one-way traffic but i was just very impressed with his ability to avoid taking damage from justin um there are a few shots landed but habib ate him so well the leg kicks were starting to add up i'm with you there but um, for what it's worth, Habib really did a good job switching to a different game plan. Usually he's able to show you the hands and then he's changing levels and, you know, that familiar song starts to play, right? Uh, yep. Justin did a good job of really avoiding that. Um, But really Habib just kind of stayed on him and we all know how conditioned and tough Justin Gaethje is. So, The fact that he was starting to look a little flustered. He was starting to look like a little labored. Like, man, you know, I really can't get that space. I really can't get him off of me. That was the most impressive part of Habib's entire performance. Um, We talk about it early in the second round. Um, Like, Luke Thomas broke it down very well that Justin turns and he sprawls away from the cage. That way Habib, you know, he talked about it the whole time. Don't get stuck against the cage. Mm -hmm. And Justin executes that part perfectly, but you're kind of reminded, you know, yes, Habib hasn't had to use different stuff. It doesn't mean he doesn't have it. He spins with them, and that leads to the takedown to the mountain. Like you said, um, he he was doing so well off of his back, and uh, now I'll, I'll acknowledge it. After the fact, you hear Cormier saying that Habib... Knew Justin wasn't going to tap and he saw his parents there and said, I didn't want to hurt Justin in front of his parents. So I switched to the triangle, which was my dad's favorite submission. And it's like, uh, all right, for one, sometimes you hear that and it's like, they're saying that to kind of add to their own legend, right? Because after the fact, you can say whatever. But let's be honest, if that were true, and we tend to believe what Habib says stuff like that, it's honest. I mean, dang. Um, I was just so impressed. I think that he neutralized stylistically a very, very dangerous opponent, and I was just blown away. Never, ever did I break that down and think it's going to look that easy. Even if uh, even if he doesn't get him quick, a Habib win involves a lot of back and forth, a lot of breaking of the will, and really the X's and O's, he just took all that out of the equation. Um you you bring up the ref real quick uh i say it all the time it's a difficult job i don't envy it i understand there's a lot of human um factor to all that but man did he tap quite a few times i'm just going to leave it at that <laughs> yeah. um you know so right there uh justin i did see justin Gaethje after and uh, i saw him on my flight he looked fine so for people wondering uh, yeah so wow just yeah. wow Habib Nurmagomedov, best lightweight, no question, no ifs, ands, or buts, no, well, stylistically, what if, it nah. just absolutely blew me away. The Habib we saw Saturday night, all time against the best Benson Henderson, the best BJ Penn, the best Frankie Edgar, gives all of them, you know, just that challenge and. Really, I take that Habib over pretty much anybody. He's just got that special blend of obviously the ground, but the power, the size, and just the skills overall. He knows how to make his style work to make you respect his wrestling so much that he has effective striking, unorthodox, but effective, which is what matters.
1: Yeah, that's the crazy thing is that people are so terrified. I mean, Justin Gaethje was was moving, was doing everything he could, to avoid standing still for a second, they're just terrified of the takedown that it, it lets Khabib land, you know, unbeautiful jabs and, and other strikes because these guys are just on edge. So hard on edge. Oh my God, what's he doing? Is he going to come down? Is he going to go up? So it's a crazy mental psychological advantage that he has just from his reputation, just from, you know, fight film. You watch all the other fights, you look at his record, you know what he can do. And, it's like you never have had to even be in a room with the guy, uh, even, ever even stand close enough to, you know, feel his breath. Like you just it doesn't even matter. It's just that is, is built into every opponent. The fear. He doesn't have to say anything. doesn't have to do anything. He just shows up and it's already there ready for him to take advantage of it. So it's stunning, man. It, it left me, you know, mouth agape the way he finished, the way he just did it so fast, it was almost like he wanted to just get the heck out of there. He was like, I don't want to drag this on, let me just pounce hard and go. Go for the kill. That's that's how it felt.
0: Oh, for sure. More than other fights, I got the sense that he was there mm-hmm. to handle, he was there to clock in and clock out, so to speak. Um, he gets on the mic and like a lot of people have said, I thought he just wanted to, uh, you know, get comfortable and Instead, he says he's calling it a career. He says um, just emotionally what we all knew going into it, uh, the loss of his father weighed on him. And he essentially said that he spoke with his mother, who said she didn't want him to go back out there without his father in the corner. And he said, uh, you know, one last one. And he says he's a man of his word and that that was his final fight. He's going to call it at 29-0. and He's not gonna go one more for number thirty. He's just gonna leave it at that. Um, I will say this: uh, that one, in hindsight, it should be less surprising than when, um, let's say, Henry Cejudo retired. Because you know, not to rehash it, but Henry just seemed like he had so much more in the tank and so much more he could do. Um, In hindsight, you know, Habib retiring should be less surprising when you think about who he is, you know, as a person and his values and everything we've come to know about him over the years, um, about his personal life. So that shouldn't have been surprising, but I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't taken aback. I really thought we were going to set it up. We were going to get one more night, Tony, St. Pierre, something um, to, you know, for Habib to write off to, but it just isn't meant to be. He's made the decision and I mean, what can I say? Just uh, your thoughts on the retirement and the way it uh, came about.
1: I was surprised um, that he retired. I was wondering, like, you know, I didn't even process the the fussing they were doing over taking off his gloves until uh, until John Annick pointed it out.
0: You guys do that up. anyway without retiring all the time.
1: Yeah, right. So it didn't, didn't make an impression, right? So then Anik says something and I'm like, oh, oh boy, OK, what's going on? looking at his eyes. And yeah, if it, it, you could tell it was coming. Um, I think it's kind of unfortunate that, you know, I, I mean, it's, you know, it's his family, and he respects their wishes and stuff, but that that came from his family, right? That, you know, don't fight anymore, because your father's not there to be in your corner. I wish he had been able to, you know, maybe come to an end on more on his own terms. But I, I think, the closeness that he has with his family it seems like it's not an issue it's just for me um, you know I guess that that's not how I would operate so it jumped out at me as 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 um, unique mm-hmm. um, but you know
0: to clearly his credit, a, lot of respect- uh, a little bit of um you know devil's advocate he really didn't elaborate much post fight we didn't really get an interview so it may have been a more mutual decision than just what he said, which is what I got a bit of the impression of that this was very. This was bigger to him than he ever let us know because he is such a private guy.
1: Yeah, that 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 that's, that, that makes sense. That's fair. But anyway, um, go ahead. So it, it is still it's, um, disappointing because we never saw that Tony fight. But it's almost comical that you know the the reason it never happened and the way it never happened is it was booked five times and you know it's just clearly the world did not want these two guys to meet in the octagon. Clearly, so. You know, there's not much to lament there anymore.
0: Um, and then, what do you mean that? anymore? I'm still sad. I mean, <laughs> that, let, let me let, make it clear. I am still lamenting. <laughs> what do you mean? I will well, be lamenting this till the pandemic is over, most likely. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's like you wanted all your top five or you know top guy top 155ers to meet each other, and this was the creme de la creme of 155. Like this is the 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 premier lightweight division in UFC history, yep. in my opinion, and we wanted all of them to get a shot, right, at the top, at Khabib, who, you know, there was the only person to get the shot with. So you had Connor and Dustin and, um, who am I missing? Uh, well, Barboza, you know, there's, yeah. there's a bunch of others, um, but of late. And the Tony one, after Justin beat him, I, I thought, well, you know, I guess, you know, Khabib would have beat Tony too, but... We'll never know. So yeah, there is a little lamenting there because of the jujitsu, right? Could the jujitsu have been the difference, not the wrestling, the jujitsu, to get out of a situation that Justin Gaethje found himself in? Perhaps, perhaps we don't know. But um, yeah, I think if I'm Khabib, like he said, it Dustin and Connor are gonna fight each other. I already choked them out. The Tony fight never came to never came to pass. GSP he'll never make one fifty five so. And, and that's always just, it's too far away to put your career on hold for. So, you know, whether there was any, um, tragedy that like, you know, his father passing, whether that had happened or not, it it would have been okay for him to retire at this point anyway, because he's already cleaned through everybody. So, you know, he can, he can go on to the next part of his life in, in peace.
0: Yeah, a lot to unpack there. I think that um, uh, I'll start with this one, and uh, it's weird because it's talking more about personal than professional, which is something, I think we do a good job of avoiding a lot, just for the, out of respect to everybody and their decisions in the sport. But um, on a personal level, uh, you know, it's not hard to imagine that this is a difficult time for Habib and his family. We know that you know they come from a culture where you know it, the term it takes a village is like you know really they take it seriously and they're a tight-knit group they're they lost their leader they lost their you know the patriarch all of that and that there's a lot of emotion and it's a crazy time in the world all of that you know remember this happened months ago this wasn't you know I think that there's the misconception, you know, like, after his last fight. No, this is something rather recent that they're going through. I'm going to say this on Habib. Do I believe... uh, I do believe they're all mean what they say and they're going to do what they're saying today. And I think that it's only fitting. What I will bring up is... With time, you know you're in the gym, you're doing some work, you know, as a family, perhaps, it's like, you know what, it's okay, could we see him back, you know, could his mom be like, you know what, I want this for you, and the family, we want this for you, and we've reached a place of it, maybe, I think on a personal level, you know, when I think of it, could that be possible, could we see something like that, perhaps, it's, um, you know, if if he doesn't, you know, for whatever reason, that's completely okay, too. I get it. But could I see something like that happening? Absolutely. You know, you never know in the future. So I leave that door open for Habib. Uh, yeah, George St. Pierre kind of said it himself. Is like It just seemed like there was always going to be something else that affected the ability to do the fight with Habib. Uh, with Tony... Uh, i saw the edit they did like the avengers one of conor mcgregor as dr strange saying he saw all the potential futures right where <laughs> and he's asking is you know like habib astanos is like is there one where we win and Connor strange is like only one and it's the future where tony got to fight habib <laughs> and it's like <laughs> I, I laughed at that because i'm like you know it just really wasn't meant to be huh but um you know what, I'll say this and it's gonna segue into my next segment. Maybe a Habib sorry, maybe a Tony beats a Michael Chandler for a vacant title. Maybe he defends it against a certain winner of a certain fight we're talking about for weeks now with Connor and Poirier. Maybe you know he says the right things. Maybe there's just that one thing that tells Habib I could do it one more time. Maybe, which leads us to the next question. What the heck do we do in the lightweight division? Oh, boy, I think. Let me make it easy for you. Mm. We have a vacant title. We have a lot of different combinations of fights. If you had to call it right now, if you, let me say it this way, what you think the UFC will do as opposed to what you personally would do. Which, Which fight do you think will become for the lightweight championship?
1: Gosh, it's, I feel like it should, I can't, I can't answer it the way you want me to answer it. Go ahead, we'll it.
0: hit it, hit me with it. Uh,
1: yeah, I think it should still be Ga- Gaethje. In fact, when Khabib retired, I was like, oh, doesn't that make Gaethje champion because he was the interim <laughs> champion? is not he just like automatically the champion? Um, I don't know, I guess not.
0: Or else, L- <laughs> Logistically, you have a point, but I think it's more complicated.
1: Yeah. Um, in any case, I think it should still be Gaethje, but, but I guess, I guess not. You lose to the champ, then you get back in line, right? That's just how it is. So who deserves it? Chandler, no, he's, he's brand new. Let him fight somebody else first. I know he was on hold for this title shot, but that was just because all the the other top three guys, you know, had their reasons for not being available. So Tony, the way he just lost to Justin, I don't think he deserves a title shot. I think it should be, I think you should either turn po- Poirier-Connor into the, the vacant title shot. I really do, actually. I'm just going to stop right there. I think that's what, what you should do. I know that sounds crazy because Connor hasn't fought in a year. Um, but I think that's what should happen. MMA math, right? Justin lost to Khabib. Back in line. Tony lost to Justin, so No. Who's left? Dustin and Connor. They did lose to Khabib, but it was a while ago. Let's give them the vacant title shot.
0: Where do you uh, sit on this? I'm completely with you. I think for very bluntly, um, Connor McGregor with the UFC title is big business for everybody. For Connor, for UFC. And not to rehash a segment for the millionth time, but money talks and that makes everybody the most money. So I can't see a situation where if you truly believe Habib is out that um, they don't make it for the title fight. Now, I will admit that Conor as champion logistically makes, uh, makes it a little harder to keep the division going. He's a guy who gets a lot of long breaks, no? And uh, I understand negotiating. I think we've seen that it could be a little complicated, especially in the current times. That being said, I think that the, you know... Th- the ability to get a belt on Connor outweighs a lot of those other issues. You put the belt on him, you make a lot of money and, you know, and look, I'll say this too. For Poirier, you got a very well-liked guy being a champion, and the nice thing about having either of those guys hold the belt is the number of fights afterward. You put Connor or Poirier with Tony Ferguson, Gaethje, Michael Chandler. All of it makes for fun fights, right? All of those pay-per-view, get-me-excited type of matchups, no, so, I think that works all around, um, with everybody else, uh, I, like, for example, Tony, v- Michael Chandler, uh, of course that has merits, of course it does, but I just don't see UFC saying, yeah, that's gonna be it, when the Connor option literally is now wide open, so, and Gaethje too, I mean, you get Gaethje back in there against one of these other guys, right? Same thing, it's like, yes, but if it's not, you know, Connor's involved in everything, and I think that everybody's kind of already gotten married to the fact that, you know, he'll fight Poirier. Also, when you think about it, besides Chandler, Poirier is the only other guy coming off a win. Tony and now Justin are coming off losses, so it just makes it easier, and not for nothing... That fight with Poirier and Hooker was the fight of the, well, arguably, 1B yeah. fight of the year, which is still very great fight, obviously. So yeah, that's how I see it, too. I think that that's why and how they'll do it. I'm sure we'll find out, but do you have anything else to add on the future, of the lightweight division, anything else that you think might happen?
1: I'm just wondering if Dana White's new sort of grudge against Connors for releasing those DMs could in any way prevent this, this, next, this upcoming fight with Connor and Dustin from, from turning it into a title fight? Like, he seemed really raw about it. You know, is that enough to get in the way of the progress of the division? I hope not, because that's the only fight that makes sense, as we've talked it out. That's the only one that makes sense. Or that's the only fight that, need, that should be a title shot so that makes sense.
0: Man, just cash enough checks and it's all good again, Natalie. I yeah. say it every time. just cash enough checks and all can we can be happy again, you know? Yeah. That's all I'm gonna say. Anyway, um before we go, so one of the things that has been a topic in the world of MMA now. Habib as the GOAT. Uh Habib said, That's what I want. I wanna go out number one pound for pound. I want it to be, you know, I want it to be given to me. I what I like about it. They played that clip of when he talks during his fights and he's smashing Michael Johnson and telling him, you know, I need a fight for the title and just yeah. putting a beating on him like, you know, I deserve this and just hurting him. It felt like that when he asked to be number one. And I kind of got the same feeling like, OK, Habib, just calm down, please. Um, I will say this for my money because I looked at all the criteria if you want to call him the GOAT, by all means, uh, he has a great argument. I love what GSP told Ariel Hawani' It's like, you know, when you see everybody have seen all of these great guys or girls having special performances, we all have a piece of that GOAT of all time. We all have those moments where, yeah, we were unstoppable, right? When Anderson's knocking guys out with the Iconic and when Habib's doing his thing and when GSP's doing his thing and... John Jones, everybody, they all have those moments that do earn them their status, right? And I like that. For my money, even though, you know, I know people feel a certain way about it with his tests, I still have uh, John Jones at number one. I think just his longevity and strength of schedule. Overall, you think about it, he took the most, the biggest names available near pretty much each time. I put him at number one. I have, uh, this is a cheat, but 2A and 2B. 2A, George St. Pierre. 2B, Anderson Silva. I mean, enough said on those guys, their resume. But I have Habib at number three. I put him ahead of Mighty Mouse. I put him ahead of Fedor. I think that his difficulty of schedule and the style points, just how dominant he was getting those victories, um, like you said, in this competitive era of the lightweight division, when you look at that murderer's row, the what he did to back to back Barbosa, Akinta, um, Connor, Poirier, Gaethje—that I mean, you put that lineup in front of most guys, they don't walk out with all wins, let alone all rounds won, essentially. So, yeah, Habib, he's in the conversation. If he had beaten Tony, maybe move up or something like that. Take a fight at 170. I might bump him up more spaces, depending. But I think the longevity of the other guys just edges him out personally all time. But like I said, you put the Habib who fought Justin Gaethje against most guys. It's hard to deny all-time great skill level, consistency, and ability for me. I mean, that's, that's
1: beautifully put and very pragmatic and, you know, all this very logical criteria. So I'll go the other direction (laughs) away from logic and uh, not away completely, but more heart, more heart than brain. Uh, For me, number one is is Anderson Silva. So this is a a good episode for us to be talking about this, but he's, he's the number one for me. Um, Yeah. Like you know greatest of all time shouldn't that just be one person period yes but you know when you look when you look back at the decades of the of the sport and how it's evolved and how the opponents have have changed and you know difficulty levels and whatnot all right maybe you should have a greatest of all time in the decade of you know the 2000s and then the 2010s and you know, you could you could piece it apart in so many different ways. That's not so, as fun. <laughs> I know exactly. It's not as fun. And so for me, I just say Anderson Silva, and then call it macaroni, um, and and that's it. You know, it's Is, Habib, is, is, is awesome.
0: Habib closer to Anderson, or is he maybe a couple steps down the line getting into the club?
1: You know, he's 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 actually closer because, like, you can't okay. deny that. I don't really have a ranking. rank. It, there's no list really. It's just Anderson Silva. There's one greatest of all time. All time, just one, right? <laughs> so all right. That's how I see it. But I stay with Anderson. Silva. But if you're asking me to then say who was who's below that, who's also pretty good. Uh, um I would put Khabib under under him.
0: He's still in and, there. Okay. The, my would, question yeah. is, is like he is up there. It's not no, it, it, I mean look, like, yeah, if I'm going to He gives add... competition to the guys. there. Yeah, that's the
1: greatest of all time. Not the most exciting to watch, but number two after Anderson Silva, as far as the best to do it. Uh, you can't deny the record. You can't deny the competition he defeated the way he defeated them. But, uh, Anderson Silva, the show, the, the style, everything, the record doesn't matter. It's the performance, the personality,
0: everything. All right. We'll get into Anderson very soon. We'll close the show with him. Um, let's recap just a little bit more. Um, uh, Robert Whitaker, Jared Cannoneer. Uh, you know what? Um, Jared looked powerful. What I loved the movement from Rob. I feel like he redis. Uh, for example, he looked like the guy who beat Yo Romero twice with the way he was avoiding damage. Pick his shot selection was beautiful. Um, Jared, uh, look, he's dangerous the whole fight, but I think that Rob did a good job of um, you know, the more shots he avoided the less likely it felt like Jared was going to get to him. And that's not this true of many guys. So I think that that was a testament to how well Rob executed his game plan. Slipped, countered well, moved well, didn't stay in the pocket, which is key. Don't take the leg kicks. Don't just stand there and trade at close range and you probably win that fight. And he did that perfectly, in my opinion. That was one of his best performances against a guy who had everything. Jared, you... You could tell all week he was confident. I could see it in person. Um, Adesanya had him as the heir apparent, so th- this was a big win for Robert Whitaker. I was very impressed. Impressive indeed. You you described
1: it his performance very well. It was the movement and the jab. I mean, just perfect evasive technique from beginning to end. I mean, there were a couple of <laughs> close back and forths there, but um, mostly it was Robert Whitaker moving, moving, moving. And, and firing, you know, really great precision strikes. So he looked amazing. Jared Cannoneer, uh, I picked him, so I got you know over two there as far as your main and co-main. But uh, you know he'll come back and and, and regroup and all that. And um, the crystals, you know, didn't didn't help him unfortunately. But uh,
0: maybe they lost their power on that hemisphere of the world. You yeah, feel it's that. a different world. I'll say that from having been there live. I'll say that it's a different place. Not everything works as it should.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. But yes, yeah. okay. I, I, uh, I like that. I like that comment. So all right.
0: Real quick, uh, Rob. Um, I, I'll say this. Um, if. Uh, I I feel like if Darren Till just looks fantastic against Jack Hermanson or vice versa, if Jack can look pretty good, Adesanya may consider taking them over Whitaker. And I'll say this, Rob seemed to have a very good take on it. He said, look, if it doesn't happen and Izzy wants to try 205 or something, I'm going to be here. By the numbers, he should get another shot again. But I said it already, when you have a one-sided fight like that, and he had a bit of the time off with the, you know, he just wanted to step away. This is still two great performances. It's tough, but for the record, if Darren Till just looks fantastic, I could see Darren getting the next shot at 185 if uh Adasanya stays there. If not, really anything could happen. Could we see Izzy against Jan Blachowicz? Maybe. We see a lot of other stuff happen, maybe, but for my money, uh, if Darren Till wins, Adesanya fights Darren, Rob, I mean, let's be honest, he could fight anybody and it's great TV and it would just add to his resume because if you think about it, if Rob were champion, Jared, Till, these are guys he'd most likely have to fight anyway, so Mm -hmm. I don't think he's losing sleep over it just this minute, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I'm with you. Yep. Um, Real quick, Lauren Murphy, uh, she had a short-notice opponent, but she really did work. Slower start, I felt like. Uh, Lilia Shakarova, kind of, you know, it was her moment, and she tried to show up, which you always got to respect. I definitely do, and that's what I would do if I were in her position. But Lauren Murphy kind of wanted to make a statement, and I think she did that. I brought it up with the Jessica Andrade thing. I spoke with a very great uh, reporter. She was the correspondent for UC Arabia, um, Farah Hanun. And she brought it up and said, It may not be fair, but even if Lauren wins, I think that they're going to re- rebook her with Cynthia Calvillo. In my heart, do I think that should have earned Lauren Murphy a title shot, considering how Valentina Shevchenko goes through people? Yes. But I still feel like knowing UFC and selling pay-per-views and getting TV ratings—they're gonna go with Jessica Andrade next. Now, the only the, yeah. the only way that doesn't happen is if Wayley Zhang doesn't fight Rose, and she b- jumps up after if Valentina beats Jennifer Maya, which we've already said is a quite the gonna be you know quite a disparity in that matchup. But that's where yeah. I'm at. If it does, if Whaley doesn't jump up after Shevchenko fights Maya, then they're most likely going with Andraj. Sorry, Lauren.
1: <laughs> I'm with you on all points. So Lauren Murphy the the division is such that as you pointed out, you know, they're just kind of assembly line feeding them to the opponents to uh, Valentina Shevchenko. So like, oh you wanna fight? You want to? Oh, okay, great. You're ready. <laughs> go 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 fight for the belt. That's kind of all it takes. Uh, and this division And we can just tell by looking at even the best win of someone before they go fight Shevchenko, you can tell that, well, probably your best is not yet good enough for her. No offense to anyone. That's just Valentina Shevchenko, how she is right now in this division. Um, So Laura Murphy did look great. But even if she did get the title shot, you know, I think I actually really like her fighting style. I think just a few years earlier would have been a better matchup, just for speed. That's just where I think she'll really suffer against Shevchenko's speed. Nonetheless, she has long arms, good range, good, uh, strong skill set, and all that being said, yes, I agree, it's going to be Andrade if if there's a choice and if Andrade is available for the next uh, the next Shevchenko title shot. Of course, they're going to go with the big name, the former champion who has all these great highlight moments that you can make an amazing promo with. So, yeah, Andrash for sure.
0: Yeah, uh, final note on that. Lauren Murphy did say that she was interested in, um, you know, being the backup uh, pretty much in about a little less than a month. Um, Jennifer Maya has missed weight twice. I do want to give Maya credit. I know her back was against the wall, but she did look like she'd gotten herself t- she got her act together in terms of everything she needed to when she fought JoJo Calderwood. So I want to give her that credit. It's like, look, you did do what you're supposed to do in the big one last time. So I don't want, you know, if you're going to get the fight, I don't want it to be because you're a backup. You know, I feel like that just is not something to predict or wish on someone. But, you know, the numbers are what they are. But for the record, I do think that Maya will still be the one fighting Shevchenko in about a month. Okay. Um, Great night of fights. A lot of, um, just a lot of fun stuff. The Megamed Ankalaev, Yanku Kutalaba, No drama, which I'll be honest, even though we got a finish, was a little disappointing. And <laughs> really, there was just a lot of that little stuff throughout. Phil Hawes, 18 second knockout. Awesome. Miranda Maverick spoke to her. She got a great win on the prelims. Awesome. Good, good stuff. Uh, just a fun night of fights. A well-paced card. I want to say only like a decision or two. So you really got your, you know, you wanted stuff to get moving along. You did, and you could get to whatever you were doing on Saturday pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Natalie, final thoughts? What, or let's put it this way: if you want to bring up a fight, you can. What do you want to know about Fight Island? We have a oh, big overboard. show, but go ahead, ask me your okay. burning questions.
1: Oh my gosh, I have so many, but I will reserve them to just a few for okay. uh, for our for our audience here. Um, okay. Um. In the crowd, during the actual fights. Yes. I know for other, like, Apex fights, you're in the back, right? Um, yes. Okay, but this time around, they let all the media up in the in the Flash Forum, like in the cage side, I guess? Yep, it was beautiful. Okay, who else was in the crowd? Because they don't really show the audience now, now that it's this new world we're in, right? Mm-hmm. So, I know that there were people, but how many? Could you tell how crowded it was, or...?
0: The, I could have sworn Dana said it was 200. It felt smaller. It felt a lot smaller. I'll say that. It felt like... You count them all one by one. I'm pretty sure it was about that number. But for the life of me, you're talking about a... You know, it's not a tiny, tiny venue. I've been in smaller ones. But um, the way they were spaced out and as few people, it only felt like maybe a 100 a overall scattered in what you would consider the standing room and spaced out and everything else. So, uh, yeah, um, to my knowledge, uh, very important people. I bu- I'll say it simply, I think people who could afford to get tested for the okay. event and everything else. Um, I did ask the uh, associate project manager, like, is it me or their fans? Are there people in the bubble? She did assure me that everyone in the bubble going through that was a, um, you know, was part of the event working. So to my understanding, you know, I I couldn't tell you who exactly they were, but to my knowledge, it would be uh, people who could afford to get tested and attend live. And they're in that position to do so, if that makes sense.
1: Okay, that makes sense. But that number you're giving me, that's shocking. I didn't even... It's, uh,
0: okay, if you, you've been to the fights in Temecula for uh, Bellator. Yeah. The Pechanga. Mm-hmm. It's roughly about that size, maybe a, a, a lot nicer and a little bit wider, a little bit bigger. Wow. But it's roughly the same size venue. So you can imagine a hundred people in there.
1: No, definitely. I just, you know, the way they it film it. It doesn't
0: look like it. It really Yeah, the doesn't. angles
1: that they're giving us, never in a million years would I have figured there were that many people there. Absolutely. Uh, so that's that's wild. Okay. Um. My other question is, okay it's like a two-parter. So I know you had this amazing dinner, which I would like to ask you about, but mm-hmm. prior, um, apart from that, what was your favorite meal that you, that you got to eat there?
0: You know what? I'll, I'll be very honest with you. I actually don't take risks when I travel abroad with eating for the simple fact that it's like, you never, uh, I never want to set myself up and be in a position where Alka-Seltzer is not readily available <laughs> like it is here. And, um, to their credit, there was a lot of Western burgers and other stuff on the menu and i i play it safe when i travel i know karen bryan and other people went crazy on the hummus and all that Uh, that was not for me i i got everything grilled and cooked well and was very vanilla in terms of my eating i i i I do it that way so i can't were you like
1: were you like repeat ordering grilled cheese sandwiches uh, (laughs) on
0: the regular burgers but heck yeah burgers right on but i'll tell you what never once did i ever feel worried about my diet okay (laughs) right on go ahead
1: (laughs) okay so i know you had this amazing uh the ufc put on this amazing like dinner for was it just for the media yes for this okay Uh, i saw a photo of you in the garb so they so tell me about that tell us about that they provided you guys with uh with
0: traditional attire yes so um you get we i got back from media day and the i'm at the hotel they knock on my door and they say oh here's your uh your clothes for tonight and so you hear that and it's like wait what and so you get it and um what's funny i asked the guys like can one of you guys show me how this is supposed to be worn and they're like we would if we knew i found that very funny because you know the hotel staff is middle eastern obviously locals yeah um you know what yeah so they provided that um uh, depending, uh, I don't know how many pa- people posted pictures. I feel like mine is the most circulated, ironically. But um, uh, the men had uh, the white one with the headpiece. The women were black and they didn't have the headpiece. So that's probably the biggest difference. Um, yeah, uh, just uh, we were taken after a traditional Arabic menu. They had a lot of uh, you know, the way they prepare the meats and the vegetables there. Uh, their traditional desserts with the bread and um, the way they make ice cream. Uh, there was date flavored ice cream, which you know, just imagine. And want to say I had like uh, honey and it was like honey and like almond, something like that. I had that and um, had uh just a beef kebab personally, but yeah, a lovely dinner. Uh, you see, um, I guess the real thing I could say is like yes, it like it did feel. In terms of the outfit to like, everyone's asking you do feel like you're on your best behavior when you're wearing it <laughs> um I- i'll say that it does have an effect on you for sure uh ufc was fantastic uh most days you know goodie bags and you've seen like the the welcome to fight island with the treats on it and yeah then i got the one um there was like the golden fist and it had more treats on it and all that good stuff. Uh, hospitality really was a 10 out of 10. Um, I want to shout out, uh, he, was, he worked with the event. He was part of production. You saw him doing interviews for the Middle East. Mohammed. Um, I'll say this. Uh, the only thing that Fight Island was missing was high-speed internet. Um, <laughs> everyone's on new laptops. And quite bluntly, um, for whatever reason, they're just the wifi, wireless Wi-Fi wasn't there. So if you wanted fast internet, you had to connect old school to an Ethernet cable. Oh, so boy. if you're using your twenty, you know, your twenty twenty laptop, essentially connecting to an Ethernet, they don't really have that option anymore. So you had to have an adapter. I wow. did not, and you know what, Mohammed, the real MVP um, for Fight Night, was able to find me probably the only floating around adapter for <gasps> uh, my MacBook. And I had high-speed internet for the trip. Wow. So I just want to say, Muhammad, thank you. And it really just represents the kindness and just the way they took care of us as media. And I know fighters appreciated it on Fight Island. Um, what can I say? Just thank you. People were amazing. All the locals I met, very nice. And I was like, you know what? Just uh, I want to give it up. All the people I ran into, I like my experience. I can't say enough good things about it that way. Right on, man. That sounds like an awesome trip. Um, I will Um, say this, uh, because people bring it up. The bubble itself. I'm not saying I expected Habib to sit at my table because there was no room. Yeah. But it's surprisingly a lot bigger than you'd imagine. Okay. You know, from about hotel to hotel, because we stayed at a different one than the fighters, about 10 to 20 minutes to walk there door to door. But you actually have quite a lot of space. Uh, I'll say that. I had a lot of, you know, I got my space, let's say that. And, you know, the beach, the octagon on the beach is nice. And, you know, really, the fire, all the UFC people that you're familiar with who are there, um, most likely they were at the beach or the hotel. Gotcha.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. That sounds amazing. Um, I still have two more questions. Go for it. <laughs> two more questions. Real fast. This is still pertaining to the Arabian dinner. Okay. Yep. First, what did you did they instruct you on how to
0: dress yourself underneath the garment they give you all the pieces so okay. um the the bottoms uh, there's for the body there's three there's the pants which are, is actually it's like a long skirt i know there's a word for it but it just doesn't flare out so you have that piece and it's it's kind of like sweats it's just elastic to your hips they give you an undershirt all white and then the long bathrobe looking thing that's the, that goes on over everything. Okay. So three pieces. How did you choose your shoes? What, how did you know what shoes to wear? Uh, you know what? Ironically, um, I was in shoes and I run into the schmo going back to his room at the hotel and he said, oh, I need to get traditional stuff. And ironically, I also saw some guys from France who were covering and they're wearing sandals and I'm like oh, you know, I didn't get the memo. So I had shoes and socks. I took them off and took my sandals. So, okay. I kind of had that updated for me. Gotcha. You can answer my next question, which was clues.
1: Yeah. Did any part of you, uh, which now I I see that you you were able to see other people, but before you stepped out of your room, did any part of you wonder like, am I going to be the only one that put this on?
0: (laughs) You know what? Uh, a little bit, but I think that they do such a good job of getting you to buy into it that um I knew everyone was gonna be wearing it and just okay living it up with it. There were a couple reporters who did not and you know I'm sure you'll be able to spot them as pictures get posted, but you know. Yeah, not everyone was all in on it, which is their prerogative. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Alright, man. Thanks for answering all my, my burning questions.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, you know, so that was fight island i could talk all day about it but um i think that hits all the main points you could really want to know i will say this it's like it really is a bubble no cars no nothing um you get back home and it or the airport and suddenly it's like oh you realize not everybody has been tested multiple times to be around you you're (laughs) around anyone and everyone so yeah that hits you pretty that hits you in the (laughs) face pretty quick yeah, I bet. Um, let's move on. Uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. The show may run a little longer than usual, just to let you guys know. Um, MMA news. Hamzat Chemaev, uh, he um, he's got an opponent, Leon Edwards, December 19th, it's looking like. Leon Edwards, he's inactive for long enough that they remove him from the rankings for one week, and that's apparently enough to get the ball rolling, and he accepts a fight with Hamzat um i'll say this natalie i and i talked with some other people who were there and the big thing we were just shocked about is like what the heck happened with a wonder boy fight because you feel like wonder boy would have taken if he wants to fight he probably would have taken edwards too and that gets him a title shot that makes so much sense for the title picture at welterweight with kamaru um so i a lot of people were a little surprised I, i think that there was the feeling that hamzat had backed himself into a corner a little bit, and we know that the travel was part of it, preparing for the title fight was part of it, but, you know, when you hear about the Joff Neal and other fights falling out, it was very, you know... I'll be honest, of all the opponents for Hamzat, I really felt like Leon Edwards would not take that fight for the simple reason that that is about as high-risk, low-reward as it could get for you. You have the potential that people are like, well, Hamzat isn't even ranked. Whereas if Hamzat beats Leon convincingly, you can make a case for him fighting uh, the winner of Usman and Burns for the title, depending on the schedule of everybody else.
1: Yeah, this was a a bizarre turn of events, right? Um, I don't know why Edwards took the fight, except that maybe he just needed to fight. Like Maybe he was just like, I can't wait anymore. Whatever other options you're providing with me are not soon enough. Um, You know, the December is is still a ways away. Um, Yeah, it's not the matchup I expected. I think maybe Leon Edwards is figuring Kamzat has enough hype and momentum going that a win against him would do better than a win against someone else that we are more familiar with. Um, That's all I can really think of, that he was really desperate to fight. This was the only option, I guess, that he had, even though he turned down supposedly other fights with with bigger names. Um, it's a little bizarre, a little bizarre for sure. This is definitely a better deal for Kamzat, uh, than for Leon. And, um, I don't know, man, it's a, it's a strange one. It's a good fight, but, but yeah, as you pointed out, if, if Shemayev wins, you know, potentially a rocket ship to the to the title shot, if Leon Edwards wins, okay, well, you beat a guy who we thought was going to be awesome, but he wasn't so awesome after all. Good
0: for you. So, go figure. But- I mean, respectfully, Leon is still right there, because, you know, the big fight outside of the title fight, Jorge and Colby, Kamaru did beat both of them, still within the last 12 months, so, you know. Okay, you know, this isn't a bad spot to be in if you're Leon either way, but yeah, um, the only thing Should I Do you think, think if of... he
1: loses to Hamzat,
0: that it doesn't really hurt him? It doesn't hurt Leon too bad? Uh, 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 as in, put it this way it, he's in the same spot if he loses to Hamzat as if he were to lose to anybody else. Okay, okay. Uh, so I'll put it that way. Like, if he loses to anybody, you know, he's going to fall down as far as he's going to fall. Um, like, if he were to lose to Wonderboy, he'd probably fall to the same spot he's going to if he were to lose to Hamzat. Does that make sense? yeah yeah so I'd say it that way um stylistically uh what I'll say about it is that um leon he's a guy who subtly gets better every fight, and that's the you know that's the reason he's been so consistent and successful. Hamzat the firepower, and um I'll say this, he's gonna hit somebody who's not just gonna go down and then what's gonna happen, but from what we've seen. If Hamzat carries that pop that we think he has, that could pose a lot of problems for a guy like Leon because I think that's the one thing he doesn't have is that, you know, he's so technically good, but in a firefight, I don't think he has that, that big weapon to, get, to bail himself out of it if he needs it. So I think that could be a challenge if it gets a little ugly with Hamzat. So it's going to be quite a fight. It's going to be quite a test for both of them. Definitely. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's one. I also said this, is that when I see Leon in this situation, I start to worry that he's gonna, I call it like the Jacare situation, Jacare was winning so many fights and he was so consistent, but timing, he just couldn't seem to get a title fight and eventually a guy just seemed to catch up to him before he got it, so I do worry about it at this point for Leon because it kind of feels like, if not now, when? And I do think that if he loses to Hamzat, it will feel like that. Like, man, you know, you're on an eight-fight win streak and you couldn't get the title fight. It's like at this point, I do worry about it. Because he has been consistent. And really, that's what we ask of them, right? Win the most fights, you get to the top. So, yep. yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, let's take a slight detour. Uh, the PFL is coming back. They announced that April 2021, they will be back for season three. They've already announced the big names, Rory McDonald, Kayla Harrison, Ray Cooper, and everybody else coming back. About the only guy that is notably absent is two-time Featherweight champion Lance Palmer. You guys will remember that uh he's essentially uh, in a contract dispute with PFL and was looking to fight. We did see certain other guys get to fight outside of PFL this year, which I find surprising. So. Uh The only way I could say it, Natalie, is that I feel like they were just more committed to other relationships, that really they didn't give a hall pass to all of their relationships. Does that make sense? They said, you know what, I'm letting so-and-so date other people, but Kayla, you and I are exclusive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rory, no, you can't go date her. You can't take her out for coffee. Does that make sense? It does, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so... That's the only thing I can imagine happened because we do know several of the guys and girls were vocal about it. Um, You know what? I'll say this. I know there was a lot of concern about the future PFL and they do have some talented guys and girls on the roster. So I do think there was a little bit of that concern. So the fact that they're coming back for season three, a little surprise because I was worried, but oh. All in all good news because I think everyone deserves to fight and if you're under contract that's what I want for you.
1: Yeah, everyone definitely deserves to fight. I'm 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 just still a little disappointed that it's taking this long that you know even even now we still have to wait until next April when the UFC came back in May. Why couldn't the PFL figure something out? A mini tournament, I mean something, a shorter season. I mean, all the other p- p- big sports truncated their seasons so that they could still have one this year, except for the NFL. Uh, but you know, MLB, NBA, yep. NHL, I think too, MLS. like the PFL did they, they never think like this is something we can do, our our peers are already back. Uh, it's just dumbfounding to me that that they're that they didn't do anything that they let this opportunity to be the other fight, uh, the other MMA uh, content on ESPN, go away, slip out the window. They could have had a lot of more eyeballs if they had come back right on the heels of, of UFC initially because other sports were still not back. So they missed out here big time. And I worry that when they do finally come back, is it going to be too late? For them to regain some of the momentum that they had been building, are you know, Kayla Harrison, Roy McDonald, are they big enough to make people want to come back? April 2021, at least for the first for the first their first fights, right? Yep. But this is tough. This is this is a, this is just. I'm going to go back to my initial remark, which is it's disappointing that it, that it's going to still be a long time before we see the PFL fighters get a chance to fight.
0: I mean, the only thing I can honestly imagine is budget and somehow like just really if they kind of stretch that budget thin every year to get everyone a million dollars and still run the shows at the level they do. I'd imagine it's kind of a break even situation every year that to ask them to do a bubble. They just couldn't do it, which once again, guys like and girls, they contract a fight. You can't get back time in years of your career like people like Kayla and Lance at the top of their game. Um, really just, like I said, it's disappointing. I mean, you know, this is striking when the iron is hot. The only thing I can say is if you're really doing this in April, I hope not just building up the budget to handle everything you need in COVID era, but revamp season three, you clearly need some kind of hook because I think that was the big thing we all felt about season two is that, you know, it lost the uh, new appeal of season one and you felt like you were watching a rerun. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything kind of played out to the conclusion you expected. So I do think that that's the real key is that if you're doing this again, you need some kind of change in the action to find a way to make it more engaging. Because at this point, you know, you have UFC, Bellator 1, LFA is growing on Fight Pass It's harder than a contender series. I mean, now we got contender all year, right? Um, It's harder to compete in the space. So I do think that, um, look, once again, I get it. It's easy for me to say, go get talent when there's so many other promotions taking a lot of those would-be stars. But something, you know, just to change it up because I think that's how you're going to keep your foothold in the space. Because they've already done so much work to build one now it's about keeping it, which I understand, like, winning a belt is arguably harder. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll find out. Um. Once again, just for everybody, I'm re- I'm looking forward to it. I want to see everybody back, too, on that side. That's exciting. <sighs> we've reached that time. Let's look ahead. Uh, Bellator, uh, we've talked about this one a bit, but this is arguably one of the most, you know, I'd argue with Bader, along with Bader and Nemkov in terms... Of talent on both sides. Probably the best fight of Bellator's calendar year that we're going to see. Ghega Musasi, the former middleweight champion. Um, A lot of people argue that he had a run where he was the best middleweight in the world. Adesanya and Whitaker included. And he's taken on Douglas Lima. Longtime welterweight champion. Won the belt back from Rory in the Grand Prix. Knocked out MVP. And, you know... all, All in all, I think a lot of people say if there's any athlete from Bellator that could, you know, come to UFC and wreak damage, a lot of people say it's Douglas Lima over everybody else. I think that says everything you need to know. I like the fight stylistically. I think that Lima moving up, I think he's a powerful guy. I think that if he uses his style well, it could pose problems. The thing about it is though, he's taken on a very slick, very multifaceted, technically sound guy in Giga Musasi. I think that um Lima, uh, and I say this respectfully, but he's so powerful that he kind of has a bit of a lumbering style, right? He doesn't get on the bike, he kind of picks his spots, very conventional, very, you know, tight guard for good defense, and he just kind of he carries that shotgun, both legs, both hands, and he just kind of starts chopping away at you over the course of a fight, good on the ground. All of those weapons, are they going to be as prominent at middleweight? I don't think so. But if he's going for high volume and he could get some, and uh, he could slip and move with a guy like Gego Musasi, I do think that he can uh, pose some problems. I think this is a very good fight
1: definitely a good fight um it, yeah it just always makes me nervous when 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 fighters go up to a new weight class or you know bounce around from weight classes um especially going up though it makes me think of when rory fought gay guard on his was his, his debut i think
0: i think it was uh, uh, like the no, third one he'd already won the welterweight belt yeah. before fighting gay guard
1: or was it yeah who did ben, oh no I'm, trying, I'm getting confused with benson henderson he fought um
0: Oh boy, for the for the welterweight 170 championship. 170, and then he went back to 155. Yeah, and I can't yeah. remember the
1: guy, the gentleman's name, but anyway, um, Russian guy. <laughs> I think
0: you Disregard. Fought, uh, yeah,
1: I know who uh, you mitigate. mean. Uh,
0: uh, yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, he fought um, Lawrence Larkin. I know who you mean. Andre Andrei Koreshkov. Yeah. Andrei yes, Koreshkov, thank you. former <laughs> champ.
1: Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we've seen this a lot, right? Uh, even the UFC. You know, you're not going necessarily immediately for the for the belt, but Weidman, Rockhold, Jacare, like maybe wet your toes and the division a little bit, see how the other guys feel before going right for the, for the goal. But Hey, if anyone can do it, as you, as you pointed out, Douglas Lima is one of those fighters that is sort of universally considered to be one of the top guys, no matter the promotion and that he would fare well in the UFC. So very interesting in that regard. Um, Wasasi's tough, but I, of course he's tough. Um, If, if, if this wasn't a, a matter of the weight, which is an issue for me, if they were, you know, somehow fighting, at, um, uh, if they were both already comfortable and, and uh, at this weight class, I guess Lima anyway, um, I wouldn't be concerned. I would probably pick Lima, but because of this move up, I'm going to just give the advantage to Gagard familiarity at the weight class with his body and everything. So, um, that's where I'm leaning. Just seems like, it just seems a little bit like a no brainer with with how in the past these moves up have have played out. But I don't know. How do you see it? Do you think uh, Lima has a has a good chance here?
0: Uh, he's. Uh, I give him a better chance than I did Rory McDonald. I'll yeah. say that. Um, just stylistically, I think his frame can handle the move up to one eighty five a lot better. I think though. Uh, I'm thinking about the Gega Musasi we saw. Was it last September when he fought Lyoto? It might yeah. be. I mean, he's still got a lot of miles. He's a guy who doesn't take a lot of damage. He hasn't no. taken a lot in his career. Even the Lovato Jr. fight, that was a lot of grappling that he lost, not as much, you know, taking a beating on the feet. Uh, it, it's hard to pick against Musasi. I'm kind of waiting for that drastic drop off. Before I start picking against him and I haven't seen it yet. And the Gega Musasi who beat Machida beats Douglas Lima. You know. Not without you know Douglas Lima who doesn't have the size and power advantage that he carries normally at a hundred and seventy. So that's my big thing on that one. So I like Douglas. I think he's a powerful guy. I think he's a talented fighter. But I think that, you know, stylistically, you're moving up to fight one of the worst matchups for anybody. And so I'm favoring Musasi in this one.
1: Yeah, I'm there. Uh, Musasi. I'm thinking by decision.
0: And, um,
1: you know, that's it.
0: I think submission third round. Oh, oh. I okay. think that he's going to... That's one thing about Musasi he's very patient, but when he gets momentum, he 's like the train. he just runs away and he crashes through the car. You know what I mean, so yeah, I do think that it's going to be musasi i think he's I think we're going to see the size disparity when they're finally both rehydrated, and I think that's where we'll see Musasi really break him down yeah, All right. Yeah, so I like it there we are um before we talk about it you got to touch on it um anderson silva his final fight this saturday um do you have anything more to add you had you you had some glowing praise and i want (laughs) to give you the option before i say my piece on the spider
1: Um, glowing praise is, is is where i'll leave it you know he's my number one guy for all time period and uh i know you have a lot of uh warm feelings for anderson silva too so i'll I'll pass to you oh
0: thank you um i want to make it clear uh although i put john jones overall uh, i'll say right now you know even like working in media and everything anderson silva is still my number one favorite fighter all time i love his style i love the way he carried himself um uh just the comeback i can't i was probably dev, one of the most devastated people i knew when he got injured against weidman and oh. probably the guy who was most inspired to see him come back and his reaction when he got the win at the time i know it was controversial because of the test but when he got his comeback with nick diaz um to me uh I've put him at number one for a long time. And mind you, the reason John Jones takes the spot is because he's still freaking champion at a time when Anderson was. And think about how many years removed we are. Um, Anderson, compared to BJ Penn, George St. Pierre, Demetrius, guys like that. I think that his he was so ahead, but I think even by today's standards, you'd feel like he didn't have the toughest schedule. I would say this, I think GSP had a tougher schedule than Anderson most times out. Anderson did have some great fights in there. Um, Nate Marquardt, Chael, um, guys like that, and Dan Henderson, for sure, over the years. But I think that um, GSP had the tougher schedule, but Anderson Silva, all time, because every night he got people out of there with the most style I've ever seen. When Anderson Silva was on and you saw him piece apart, it was like watching, you know, you remember Adesanya Costa? Anderson Silva seemed to do that every single time. Yeah. Every Dan Henderson, Vitor, Okami, he'd just make the other guy look like they're standing still. And, you know, I I remember just as a fan being blown away. The mind, the control of the distance, the creativity, the imagination, all of it. And uh, I've, I'm always going to have him up there. He's always going to have a special place on the Mount Rushmore. He's got George Washington's spot on it for me <laughs> always. You know, John Jones takes like Abraham Lincoln's spot. It's good, but it's not Mr. Dollar Bill, you know what up I mean? Front, yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, to me, just uh, really what can you say? I'm, I think he set the bar you know, when you talk about, you know, what kind of champion, it's like, you know, everyone wants the wins, everyone wants the numbers, but anyone will tell you, you get that status when you could take them out with style. And I think Adesanya's got a lot of that. I think that a couple guys out there have that. But Anderson Silva kind of showed, like, hey, this is how we do it. I'm always gonna love the epic fights with Chael Sonnen, uh, that was fun forrest griffin's probably my all-time favorite ufc fight ever just anderson silva in and the matrix hands down the whole time moving up in weight and he just pieces apart a force griffin who had held the belt literally months before in a title fight so you know what yeah what can i say i'm always gonna have love for spider-man yeah yeah fun story First ever one-on-one with a microphone fighter interview I ever did was Anderson Silva. How about that? So quick context. I'd been helping people out. i had been doing videography for people. I was invited to a uh, fundraiser. They had a lot of athletes from Los Angeles, uh, soccer players, baseball players, etc. A bunch of other stars uh, from TV and also were there. And... Someone was like, hey, we really need this interview. Can you do the camera? Yes, I can. They were like, hey, by the way, if you want to interview anybody, I know you do camera work too or interviews too. You could take whoever. I look at the list that they send me and Anderson Silva is on the list. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. no way. And so go out there, never done anything that wasn't phone or email I'd done one studio interview, but that was with so many people, it didn't feel like it. And it certainly wasn't Anderson freaking Silva, all-time great, my favorite of all time. And so, you know, you show up and two hours later, there I am and Anderson's right there and I'm with the microphone and it's like, dude, so. uh, Look, I've done a lot of interviews since then. I've talked to a lot of big names. I'm very proud of a lot of the work I've done since then. I have no shame in saying it's hard to beat interviewing your all-time favorite <laughs> for day one. But you know what? I, I will say this. I think that's helped me so much in my career because when you've had that, it's a lot easier to get your nerves together for absolutely everybody else. So that's yeah, my Anderson Silva story. The fly,
1: Anderson Silva. How did it go, though? How did the interview go?
0: It was okay. I kind of had to cut it short. It wasn't my all-time great. It won't make my legendary You're real reel, but yeah i love it I, I'll, I'll play the clip back i i still love it I, it reminds me you know why i love doing my job to be quite honest with you is
1: it on youtube man can we look I do.
0: it up? i'll send it to you I'll, okay i'll post a link i'll post a link this week still right. we still gotta give habib his time okay okay <laughs> natalie but yeah i got a lot of love for spider no, uh yeah. he's fighting uriah hall Uh, A guy very similar to, like I described, distance, creative. Uh, Uriah Hall is kind of hitting his stride. If I'm not mistaken, he's working with the guys at Sanford MMA. Uh, If I'm wrong, I'm so sorry, Uriah, because I know you're with a big team. And for some reason, that's the only one I could think of after a 16-hour flight and everything (laughs) I've detailed over the last hour and 15 minutes. Um, I want to give him credit. I think that the Uriah Hall of about two and a half, three years ago doesn't step up to the moment. Uriah Hall is in the best position he could possibly be to get Anderson. Um, I am very realistic about it. I think that he's still got it. I think that uh, you know, uh, I've admitted as much that the fight with Adesanya for Silva kind of was, it felt like that last hurrah, that last great fight from a great fighter. He's coming off the injury from the Cannoneer fight. It's been about a year plus, year and a half, uh, close to two years, if I'm not mistaken, since that one. It is a steep hill to climb, but I, I mean, I'm going to just throw all chips in. I would not pick against him for his last fight, even if you paid me. I don't care how he gets it done. I think he pulls out one more time, one last zig instead of zag and gets the job done. For all time's sake, first round knockout, Anderson Silva.
1: <laughs> Dude. I'm 100% with you man. Like I'm picking him no matter what and I I too feel that it's like that that um it's that country song. I don't remember the guy who sings it, but it's like I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. And and I think that's going to be Anderson Silva. He's going to give us that last that last show of the spider and um
0: uh,
1: hey man, I'll I'll run with your pick too. First round knockout.
0: Let's go. All right, there we have it. We are done. You know, there's not really much more to say or to add. That's it. Um, you know, but look, like I said, Uriah is a tough fight too, and I'm not. I know it could get scary on Halloween. Crying out loud, but um, <laughs> there we have it. Uh, Natalie, real quick. Um, we're finally back. I think this is the third or fourth rescheduled. I- I'll give him credit though. The last one was hardly announced for long before they rebooked it, but they 're going to run it again or run it finally, Tiago Santos versus Glover toshira. Um, just initial thoughts going into that one
1: this is thiago Santos' first fight back since yep since um yeah John Jones right jeez, um, oh Jeepers. boy <laughs> <laughs> this is uh this is a good one, I think Glover has looked great, and he always surprises me you know when he wins lately i think wow man he still got it but tiago santos is tiago santos so um i obviously we don't know how he's gonna look but i'm sort of leaning in that direction but excited for the fight and and we'll uh we'll do my homework for the uh for the next one for sure
0: i mean uh going back to it we all know how good the best tiago santos is but well, Glover Teixeira's looked really great lately too with the Anthony Smith fight. So technically sound. If he's got the good defense, if Thiago Santos is lumbering a little more after having all that work done on his knees following the Jones fight, it could be quite something. But, you know, I'll say it again. You know, it's just a good fight and obviously high stakes uh, for the title involved in this one. So it's going to be fun. But we'll talk about, you know, X's and O's and who gets the job done next week um i'm glad to be back uh the plan is to be back on our normally scheduled time for next week's show so on sunday until then guys take care and enjoy the fights